0: Come, linger, and join the conversation as we sit at the feet of Rabbi Jesus in the Upper Room. In this Upper Room conversation, Brian and Giles share how God moved them to action in pursuing Koinonia. Welcome back to the conversation in the upper room. This is Brian and I'm here this week again, my buddy Giles sitting across from me. What's up? Hey, it's good to be here. Yeah. uh, Last week was a lot of fun uh, defining that term koinonia for people. Um, And even since we had that conversation last week, um, we've uh, tapped into a couple other books and a couple other resources and it's been fun continuing to dig into that term.
1: Yeah. As a, Brian knows about me, you know, when we dig into things, there's going to be some book spot. Giles likes the books. <laughs> uh, it's good. It's good. It's
0: always good. And, and I think um, we've said before, one of the things that's most exciting is, is that we get these books written by, you know, whoever, whoever it might be. And what's so cool is, is that it just confirms all these things that we're already seeing and happening. And, and then there's always something that we pick up and we glean that stretches us just a little bit further.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Well, this week, um, we thought we would begin and uh, spend some time talking about what did we do? Uh, we're always talking about uh, about learning circles, about taking it all the way from we've got this new information. We're moving into um, putting together some sort of a plan of action. And when um, and we constantly, at the end of our podcast even challenge, each other and challenge anybody that might be listening to have some sort of action and be stretched and be moved in a certain way. And that's really what came next is we began to define this term. We we began to think about um, our lives separately and realize that um, we could do more together. And we started to put together a plan.
1: Right. I think a lot of times that one of the difficult things when you're taking a step of action in general is that it can sometimes seem so overwhelming and seem so big that you have to break it down. And so we really thought about, let's get a good outline. Let's talk about what this could actually look like, India could look like, and come up with an actionable plan. So, Brian, I'm going to throw it back to you. Um, where did... uh? I think there was a real pivotal moment for us when we really got down to the concrete issue of actually coming together with a physical plan that we had both been working on. Yeah, you know, Giles, we, we were saying earlier today as we were talking,
0: don't say things. If, if you don't want things to change and to move, don't say them and certainly don't sit down and put pencil to paper because once you do, that stuff becomes real. It just becomes real. And we really didn't have any idea what what was going to happen, what the time frame was going to be. Um, we So we went through our learning circle. We said, we just need to get together. We need to put it on paper. And that was the first step. And so a friend of ours, um, mutual friend of ours had a an outline that he said, Hey, I've helped some people plan for ministry opportunities. I think it really applies to just about any decision-making process you want to make. And, and we we agreed to kind of fill out this form and it's you know it was clunky and it wasn't you know it wasn't great but it was a really good resource to start organizing our thoughts instead of spitballing and being all over the place
1: right we had been learning all these things about koinonia, and um, just a ton of data and information was flowing into us and the holy spirit was working mightily through that but we yeah we didn't know what that would look like maybe on the other side so uh, the verse I want to share when we start in regards to the plan is Matthew seven seven eight. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened. And just as Brian was just saying, yeah, don't have the conversation. Don't even begin to ask. Don't seek. Don't knock unless you're really ready for God to do some serious movement in your life, especially if you're seeking after His heart. Yeah. and we
0: so we met at a local park. Um, we decided that, well, and actually, actually what we did was is we each separately took this plan and we wrote it down separately, completely independent of one another. Um, and I know, I know for me, independent even of my wife, it was just, Organizing my thoughts and ideas and the things that had been stirring in terms of Koinonia, we wrote them down and we decided to get together and we met, which was so awesome. How, as this story unfolds, even the outdoor aspect and where we were in a park and in nature is actually quite critical and quite an important piece of the, of the puzzle. We're out at a, a public park underneath this gazebo um, in a, just a beautiful fall evening or summer evening. And we started just comparing notes where are you at? And we wrote some things down, and we were, it was really, it wasn't surprising, as we talked last week about how in Koinonia and in the Acts early church, people were all of one spirit. As we started putting things down, we realized, wow, we were really in unison in a lot of these things.
1: And we want to share some of those with you because I think it speaks to the greater story. This was just concepts and thoughts. pen to paper as Brian said but we're looking back now we have some remembrance of all the things that have happened and you know as you guys continue on this journey with us you're going to see how these things have been playing out Uh, but I think it's best to start with what really were we looking for and Brian you want to share what you had written down on this uh, in this plan for what we were really looking for
0: Well, for me, it was, and you've heard enough of my story and you've heard enough of my pictures and analogies from the Koinonia story. It was really a place to gather, a place to grow, a place to rest, a place to work, a place to share, and a place to restore. Like Those were the words that came to me of what this place might look like.
1: So you really weren't looking for much of anything then? Based on that statement. No, no. <laughs> I mean,
0: it, it really, it really was, it really, for me, it was, it was, it was a, a, a calling out of my heart of the things that were missing in the location. And I keep saying location, it's not just a physical location, it's not just a spiritual location. It's, it's really all encompassing where I was in my life uh, at the time.
1: When I thought of this, I, thought of that place where all things are in common as we discussed you know with Koinonia the last couple weeks also where the eternal kingdom is the primary focus so we would be thinking about things in that kingdom mindset versus that temporal mindset and a place to disciple to those who desire a deeper truer relationship friendship with Jesus and training up others how to live in the restored um, life so We really had a lot of crossover, even just with our initial ideas, and we didn't really talk about those before, but it's just sort of where God was leading us.
0: And then in this conversation, we realized, oh my gosh, we're talking about a monastery. Right. We're talking about the monastic type of life, gathering, growing, growing our own food, growing spiritually, growing uh, other people into leaders and who God created them to be, and Work in the land. Work in the, you know, having a workspace for things like this. This podcast studio that we've got set up, and all of those. It, we really were coming up with kind of, and we even 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 as I'm looking Giles across the podcast studio, he's nodding his head
1: like, yeah, it was a it was the monastery that was the word, the monastery, without the celibacy aspect. I will put that down. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, correct. We, but that concept, that concept, and brian actually as he had been working through this i think a large part of his history played in it to it as well um this aspect of coach that he shared with you guys in his testimony and uh, brian maybe you can share a bit more about that
0: yeah god had been god had been calling me for a long time to when he called me out of first out of coaching and then second out of teaching altogether uh, nearly seven years ago now i really really there was this part of me that i thought had died had gone away and god had re- kind of resurrect god has resurrected in that in me in these last few years cuz he said no you know brian you're, you 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 had i created you to do this i created you to be a coach i created you to be in this kind of relationship with people it's okay we got to work some things out first and so a lot of those things of a place to gather, to grow, to rest, to work, to share, having everything in common, seeking this greater purpose plays right into all of my beliefs as a baseball coach and as a football coach. We're better together, that I could take, I could take 11 inferior athletes in football, and if everyone would do their job, I could beat teams that were physically better than me, than we were, and I loved that aspect of... Teaching and coaching, that community part of, of was, was, was woven into everything that I did about having a program first and expanding that program to the little league and to the junior leagues and to the middle school and that we were one big family.
1: Utilization of gifts, because as we are talking about this place as well, you may have heard us say you know, some of the way we were talking about our initial plan, it may have just seemed that it was just for our families. But as Brian shared with the coaching, it always was meant to be for others. It, you know, This was, yes, there would be a physical place for us to live. But the purpose was really the mission. And so I think I'll share a little bit about what we had put down at that point for what we thought the mission was going to be. And again, now as we look back in remembrance, it's really cool that we were saying these things because some of these things are coming to fruition. Uh, one was is that it would be a place where we would be able to, host um, college-age students or young adults uh, who are skeptical or maybe have walked away from their faith and religion like a place to host them to reintroduce them to jesus another one is to help the local community around us and what that could look like um, and at that time we didn't know what the local community we even had thoughts of the local community would be somewhere else not even in, in franklin where we're at right now but that was an idea we were we were going to be working within the local community and also having peers and age mates that we came alongside weekend ministries campfires um an art ministry and even a co-working study space now guys as i haven't looked at this document actually in a while and as i'm looking at it i'm always chuckling to myself because we wrote these things down and we were just sort of spitballing a lot of these ideas but as i'm looking at this i'm seeing how faithful god has been and it's almost blowing my mind
0: it's crazy absolutely crazy we have this this kitchen this kitchen that we have is perfect perfect for Two or three people to be cooking, and we have a nice little bench area of six, five or six stools around where people can sit and gather and congregate. I think think about the hibachi grill, like, you know, where the hibachi grill guy is like cooking his shrimp and he's flipping it into your mouth as he goes. That's what we do, it's what we do on a regular basis.
1: Why? What did we see the purpose of this floor? Brian, can you share a little bit? Because this is sort of, we thought that this is why we were feeling called to some, what were we actually feeling called to, but what problems did we see around us or do we continually see around us? That was really driving uh, our hearts in this
0: man. I, I'm feeling, I didn't, this is kind of, it's kind of springing this on me guys is why my hesitation is because I don't know that I was prepared to talk about this specific part of the story and it's just coming to mind and I think I need to. And that is, um, for those of you, for those of us that have all been through grade school and middle school and high school, and you think that your teachers don't have a favorite student, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> it just means you weren't it. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, but I can honestly say that uh, that I had a I had a goat. I had a goat. She was um, my absolute favorite student. I uh, had her as a sophomore. We continued to just be f- friends, and uh, and she was my teacher's assistant um, all the way through her senior year, and we maintained a friendship into college. And she was she had a she had a daughter, and a couple of years ago, uh, she had a an a proposed chemical imbalance with some of the medication she was taking, and she ended up taking her own life, and um, it wrecked me. It wrecked me. Uh, it was, and of course, I'd been out of teaching for a number of years. Hadn't been engaged with young people for quite a while. But now my, but now this group, that group of students, are they're in their mid-20s. They're 28 now, I think. And all of a sudden, it reawoke in me. Oh, my gosh, I love these guys. And these faces came to my mind and came to my heart and i couldn't sit by any longer and not pray about them and think about them and wonder where they were and reach out to them and invite them have a place to invite them have a place for them where they could feel a home a home away from home and i I couldn't go her funeral i bumped you know i bumped into a number of students there was another young man that passed away not too long after where i reconnected with another student. And it was just this strange six months of God reawakening that um, passion for young people again.
1: This idea of being known. Yeah. This idea of being known. And we live in a culture of superficiality in regards to all the social media and all of those things. So I think a lot of young people, and I'm saying young people here, but as even we have been seeing now, we're realizing that even our peers, even older people than us, struggle with this identity issue. Mm -hmm. And they're facing things like anxiety and depression, because they don't really know who they are. And they certainly don't understand themselves in Christ. And so we saw this need has to be met. And Richard Foster says, you know, that we now live in the age of distraction. So we had to, we knew that God was putting upon our hearts that we had to find a place to be able to establish the kind of ministry that would be a that would be something separate from the distractions to remove people from those things so that they can truly meditate on who God is begin to understand him at that deeper disciple level and find their true identity in Christ and so i'm doing a big wrap up here of this purpose of why we were looking for this Space Why it tied into the nea was because Koinonia was never just about us and our families living in community. It was this concept of this bigger community of the exiles, yeah. the exiles in our culture. Those that have walked away from the church because they have not felt that there's something there for them. Those that have gone to the church for years and have never really felt that true, deep relationship with Jesus. We knew we had to be a place of truth and a place of grace. And that God was calling both of us into that purpose. And we just had to be obedient. Cause we, when God says go, and when God says say, just like he does in Jeremiah one, those are the, that's what we have to do. And so we were at that point sitting in this uh, gazebo, realizing, okay, we've written up this plan. We know we need to, God is saying, find this place. Uh, like when he told Moses, you need to go to Egypt. We realized, hey, we need to get in a car and we need to go to Egypt or we need to go wherever God is showing us that this place is going to be. Yeah,
0: and um, very, very well said exactly. You know, we know that there's tons of research out there from Barnum Group and people that are, we know, we know the facts, we know the numbers. We're not talking about the unchurched from youth all the way. We're talking about Two out of every three of these young people are that have grown up in the church, that are familiar with Jesus, and they're kind of done with that whole structure and organization. Kind of their eyes have been open to that, and they're not interested in it. And that's who we that's who we pictured. And so, from from two different people, two different families, two different places, we're coming together, and we're putting this on paper, and we're actually. Very close in what was God was awakening
1: in both of us. So, so what did we do? We we finished the we finished the meeting after he had written up, and we we're like, "Uh oh, yeah." Like because just like we had said earlier, Brian said, "Do not, you know, speak these things and don't put them to paper because God, if He sees that this is something in His will, He's going to make things happen." So, yeah. So, what's the verse? that we're going to use for this next thing, which was really the action step that we needed to take at this right. time.
0: Right. Proverbs 3, 6, seek his will and all you do, and he will show you with path, which path to take. And it's so, so true when it comes to this, because the truth is we'd never thought this way. We'd never thought this way. We've talked before, uh, you know, Amy and I were living in the house in suburbia, trying to pay that thing off. And, Get out of debt as soon as we could. You were living in the apartment in Plainfield, so to even stop and dream, dream a little bit about what it might look like was a very, very foreign activity. And um, and yet we we decided, what can it hurt to just go look at some properties? And so we, you know, we got on some local real estate or you know land uh, websites. And we started looking at properties and they kind of all led to one location because we were broke because you know, we were broke. We don't have an, in, you know, we don't have infinite income to, to but it kind of led to a, a certain location in the state of Indiana that happened to be close to big, big old Indiana university. And we thought, okay, God,
1: okay, we'll go look. So part of the plan that we had written out, it actually had this being a two year process. So, We knew we were looking for a location and God had sort of pointed to this by Indiana University. But we still had, Brian and Amy still had a, their son was still in high school in Franklin and he's a junior. And we knew that God was moving us in this direction, but we also thought, okay, financially doing this right now, as far as a full developed property that would be able to do these things is not really on the table, And second of all, if we're going to be moving to this other location, we want Jared to be able to finish school. So we really were looking for undeveloped property. It's not like we weren't going to look at other things, but it really was property that we basically could build on within the next two years.
0: Yeah. I mean, we we looked at a couple others because we were going to be down there anyway, uh, and we visited a few others, but really where we ended up landing on was a very affordable, well, there were, there were a couple, let's talk about a couple yeah, of let's them talk, and, and yeah. we'll, we'll end with the one that, that we actually started to move on, but there was one that we kind of lovingly called the farm. Um, and it was exactly that. It was partioned off, uh, with different pastures for different farm animals. The house itself was clearly a farmhouse mm-hmm. in all aspects of it. Would have required kind of you know quite a few repairs,
1: and it was it wasn't it wasn't it just it wasn't going to work right, and it was all yeah developed farmland area like pasture area, which would have required a lot of maintenance too, uh, and we really looked at that place, and there was some really I think it really started to open our eyes uh, to the possibility, uh, but then this place too also had it was really far even from where we wanted to be. It was hard to get to. It was not on a main road. And we realized this didn't really fit the mission that we were, that God was guiding us to. That while it would have met the
0: criteria to meet distraction for young people, because it would have been out in the middle, yes. no, out in the, literally out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it would have met that, that, that of distraction don't think it would have been easy for an Indiana, an IU student, to come and visit, to come have dinner with us, to do a weekend training, to be in a discipleship group with us. It wasn't convenient at all. So we left there and we went to another place that was basically an undeveloped uh, field that had that had crops growing in it.
1: And actually, when we arrived there, somebody was had the tractor out there doing the crops. I mean, it really was a field. I don't know if we can describe it any better than there was no development at all on it. Um, It even in the back part of it, it had these big power lines. So we were like, well, that seems that that wouldn't really be convenient for building a property. And there really wasn't even a flat parcel on it for us to be able to build, but it did have the benefit of it was closer. It had easier access uh, to, be able to have students there.
0: Yeah. We, and we met the owner, the, the, the guy that was selling it and we had a conversation with him and he was very gracious and let us go around. And really this, that particular property, it really would have met only one aspect of it at all. And that's just recreation. You could maybe run a four wheeler out there. You could maybe do some hunting. I don't even think it would have been really fun to camp out there it was not something that would have been beneficial for the type of koinonia that we had that had been revealed to us that we were starting to work on. It just wasn't going to be the right place.
1: So the last place that we looked at on our little foray uh, into this area, we called a forest, and it was actually pretty awesome, wasn't it, Brian?
0: It was incredible. It's it was one of those things we we kind of really. Again, we went down there with open minds, open hands, open hearts, open minds. Okay, God, what are you doing? What are you stirring? And we ended up at the end of this gravel road, uh, right before entering some national forest area, city water, city sewer, 12 acres that butted up to a million acres with the national forest on two sides. And we, we all kind of went, yeah, this could work. This could work. And it could work now.
1: Even if we were planning on building, we even saw across the way that there was a house for sale too, which looked like it was attached to the property. Although that had not been what we had seen on the listing. But it really did meet a lot of the needs. And
0: the price was right. The price was right. The price was something that we could we could pay cash for and really not change the financial situation. We weren't gonna be able we weren't gonna to have to go out and take a loan out for it. We were gonna be able to do things immediately on this.
1: So we go back um to the house that night, and I think we had already taken that step of faith of going out and looking at properties. <laughs> I I think that we really weren't thinking that we were going to see something. We were just being faithful in that, right? Faithful in the little things. And we went out there. But when we got back, we actually really started thinking about that that third property, which we call the forest.
0: Yeah, it it, it awakened quite a bit in me, obviously. I like to hunt. Um, and And I think even the men's retreats that you and I have had experience with in the years, we saw we could picture it there. We could picture it there. We could picture a camper or two. We could picture a, a storage container, you know, with stuff in it. And we could picture this being a gathering place short term. In the, in the short term, we could see it being a gathering place on the weekends for us to be with our people, our community, these those group of young people that we were just talking about. And then we could see long term, it was also right for Building, you know, actually doing some architectural design and planning about what would it look like, and building a property on, uh, building a, a facility on it as well.
1: Then we were in this two-year process, so this kind of property, which we basically wouldn't have to take any loan out for or anything, seemed like a perfect opportunity. So, what did we do next?
0: We called the realtor uh, that that night. We were we were there getting ready to have dinner, and we we made a phone call, and we had decided if this is available. We're going to do it. We're going to pull the trigger. We're going to get this done. And and being cash buyers, I think it probably would have happened very quickly.
1: But it wasn't in the plan, was it?
0: What in the plan? It, and then it and it was so. It was one of those things that it was it was a little frustrating. But I wasn't discouraged. It was a little frustrating. And I think I know my wife's nature. I know she would have loved to have it wrapped up and put a t- you know put a bow on it, real nice and neat, and not have to go through the whole process. Uh, But I wasn't discouraged at all by it. It was really,
1: well, okay, we'll move on to the next one. Something real happened in the moment is why. Because as we looked at it and as we had talked about the finances and those other kind of things, this koinonia really began to take shape. So even though this property didn't go through, changes within our hearts and within our spirit – about life together and what that would look like, there was a concrete, like we said, this concrete, there was a concrete moment that even though this fell through, we really at this point realized we're doing this and this is real. We had made the decision together.
0: And I think much much like when you are, I have a number of friends that got married a little bit later in life and they had already purchased their own first home and the, the you go through this process, are we going to live, are we going to live here? Are we going to live there? Are we going to get a new house? And at how critical a point is that really in a marriage that you make that first big purchase together, whether it be a car or, and, but I think a home in particular, and for us it was more than a home. It was a place to do ministry. It was, it was, but it, but it was the coming together of two families and the decision had been made. And so the coming together had already taken place that
1: took place that night. So we had really seek, knocked, and asked, and God had been faithful, even though this wasn't necessarily the outcome that we really desired in the situation. He had been faithful because he had We had put him at the center of our relationship and we realized that he was going to take action on this. And so, you know, as we wrap up this episode, I want to challenge all of you to think about because we're going to get to what God did next. And we're going to talk about that in the next episode. Um, But I but I want to challenge that sometimes our plans don't come to exactly what we think is going to happen. But God is still moving and acting. And as we look back on this time, this is actually a very joyful occasion because it was one of those moments when you just suddenly realize something has changed and something is different and God has done a transformation. And he had transformed hearts in that room where four people were looking to him and thinking as one and we were making decisions. And so before there was ever a physical place, Koinonia was taking place, and what we had written out about our mission, we knew God was going to fulfill that mission, and we knew God was going to find the perfect place for Koinonia, for the physical side of Koinonia. God was going to find that place, but in our hearts, we had already found a place. I mean, does that make sense to you, Brian?
0: It it makes absolute sense to me. I hope it makes sense to our listeners. I hope it resonates with them that, you know, we said last time that that Koinonia is not a, it's not a place, it's not a it's not a thing. It's it's an experience. It's an experience that is shaped and formed by God, by the Holy Spirit. You can't force it. You can't duplicate it. You can't make it happen in any other time. It is only through that movement. And so, yeah, it, it happened. It happened. It took place, and uh, it was really, really, really exciting, even though we still had to go back to work the next day, and we still had to have those Uh, realtors kind of on speed dial um, or
1: to go make a visit? The process had certainly accelerated. Uh, We knew we were going to act quickly because we had already done it. And transformation, yeah, as I said, transformation was taking place. So as we think about any time that we are walking through a plan, walking with God, um, seeing what his will is going to be in that situation and, and us matching up to his will, don't ever think of these things as setbacks or frustrations, but realize they're all part of a bigger plan and a bigger purpose. And when we share next week, you're going to see what that bigger plan and bigger purpose is and how God worked through that in such amazing ways.
0: If you are learning to overcome your fear and if you are stepping out in faith and truly seeking God, I don't think you can go wrong. Don't think you can go wrong. I think that we can make actions that may not turn out great, but at the end of the day, he's he, we moved, we moved, and I think what we're finding in these young people and even in our peers, the movement is sometimes the hardest part, and the movement then is actually what you know God kind of just wakes up, and I, I love the I love the scripture in the Old Testament where He thunders, He thunders when, and when you're ready to move with Him, He claps his hand and he, you know, he, and he gets down and he says, let's go. And that's exactly what happened with us.
1: We could have paralyzed. We could have become paralyzed by focusing, focusing so much on the outcome. And how much do we all do that? We focus on the outcome and we become paralyzed to take action steps for the first step, but we don't always know the outcome. And we may think we know what's best, but even in this situation, we thought we knew that this was, this is perfect. This is exactly what we need. And, you know, even when I think back on it, I'm like, well, it would have worked for all these things. But what God did, his outcome was much greater than the outcome we could have even imagined. And it was just about us being faithful and walking with him. And so I hope that's a word of encouragement for everyone. You may find yourself this week in a real struggle. You may find yourself in a marriage that you can't see a light at the end of the tunnel. And you've put this burden of this outcome on it that seems so impossible to reach. So, focus on the small thing. What is the small step of obedience that you can take and trust God with the outcome? Yeah.
0: Great place to wrap it up. Uh, thanks for the conversation. Thanks for joining us in the upper room and uh, we'll be back
1: next week.